Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, September 25th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, on uh, this week on Broadway, you had some reviews on some pretty interesting shows. First, the Huntington Theater's Merrily Reroll Along, and then MCC's Charm, which we will talk about later. Anything else you want to let the people know about this week on Broadway? Well, it's interesting because uh, we got into a probably the longest segment of discussion was about West Side Story, um, oh, which was the totally- anniversary. Yeah, the anniversary. Uh, Michael Portanti is doing a thing over at 54 Below. I think it's Tuesday night. I have to check that. Let me see. Michael Portanti, Tuesday at uh, 54 Below. Yeah, uh, the West Side Story 60th anniversary celebration. Uh, And so, but that's, you know, we started talking about Merrily, and then I forget how we transitioned on to West Side, but... We had a big, long discussion about West Side Story that was very interesting that we hadn't planned on having. It It just kind of happened. And that's the most exciting things that happen in the shows when you pull together a bunch of people. I mean, uh, it was uh, Peter Felicia, Michael Portantier, uh, as well as Jenna Tessa Fox. And uh, great conversation. Fantastic. Um, Another Broadway radio-related thing, I want to let you know that at the end of this episode, Natalie Nowak, who is the host of our podcast, On My Way to a BFA, she will be bringing us the theatrical schedule for the week. She's going to be doing that every Monday from here on out. Um, So stay tuned for that. She'll let you know everything that's happening on and off-Broadway and around the country and the world in the theater this week. And if you haven't already... Listen to her uh, her podcast that's in this very same feed. Most recently, she talked with Christine Dwyer, and she'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show. All right. First up, Broadway says goodbye to A Doll's House Part 2. Yeah, James, yesterday marked the final Broadway performance of Lucas and Ath's critically acclaimed play, A Doll's House Part 2. The play is... Obviously, if you can tell by the name, a sequel to Henrik Ibsen's iconic work and originally starred Laurie Metcalf, who won a Tony for the role. Before its initial 16-week run had concluded, producer Scott Rudin announced an extension into early January that would feature a mostly new cast. But ultimately, the show decided to close before that extended date yesterday on the 24th of September. James, the next show to move into the Golden Theater will be another Scott Rudin-produced small cast play starring Laurie Metcalf. And that'll be Edward Albee's play Three Tall Women, which will also star Glenda Jackson and Allison Pill. Joe Mantello will direct the production that will have its first preview on February 27th. Now, James, this is September 25th, five months and two days before the first performance of Three Tall Women. I don't know if there's enough time to get a short run in there for the holidays. This closing wasn't a last-minute decision, so they've known about this for a while. But I'm sure that the Schuberts don't love having a theater sit vacant for 41.66666% of the gear. There are currently six houses on Broadway that are empty and don't have a tenant scheduled until at least late February. Three of those are owned by the Schuberts. So if they or the Nederlanders or anybody else are going to get things into these vacant houses you know, for the holidays, I would imagine it would have to be announced fairly soon hmm you know uh can you and i throw together a production of the grinch we we could uh it would depend on if we could find the funding for it but uh, i'm sure we could come up with something in i don't know a, a week we could put something together really quickly it might be awful but as long as we've got the money that's fine awful doesn't matter there was mama mia remember um no 
<laughs> I do not. <laughs> as long as I can be Cindy Lou Who. Uh, totally fair. Totally fair. You want to be the Grinch or the dog? Oh, no, I'm the Grinch. Like, Oh, you are. That's, that's, that's in my DNA, yes. <laughs> All right. So we will have to keep our eyes open and ears to the ground to see if anything materializes in the uh, empty Schubert hallowed halls. Um, next up, critics weigh in on Ars Nova's K-pop. Yeah, James, the hottest show in New York City right now might not be on Broadway. Ars Nova, in association with Mayi Theater and the Woodshed Collective, is presenting an immersive event called K-pop, which takes you behind the scenes of a K-pop or Korean pop music factory. Note, the show is not at Ars Nova's normal house, but instead on a two-floor building in Hell's Kitchen. The show was conceived by the Woodshed Collective and Jason Kim, who wrote the book. Helen Park and Max Vernon wrote the score, and you basically go into this industrial facility and meet the artists of this fictional K-pop record label. In K-pop, the audience ventures around both floors of the building and sees different scenes based on where they are. The show stars soon-to-be plastic Ashley Park, James Seol, Jason Tam, and more. And James... It's getting pretty re- impressive reviews, starting with Ben Brantley of The New York Times. He said, quote, it's a satire. It's a soap opera. It's a deep dive into the conflicted heart of a divided land. It's a sweaty celebration of perky young talent and a cold eyed look at an industry that eats its stars for breakfast. It's a feel good romp and a feel bad psychodrama with detours into the shadowlands of xenophobia, racism and child labor. He continues, the show is best when parody blurs into the already surreal dimensions of what's being parodied. That's true of the eye-popping visuals throughout, right down to the ads on the walls, and Miss Parks and Mr. Vernon's pastiche fusion musical numbers. Choreographed with slashing wit by Jennifer Weber are as synthetically sweet and perversively addictive as the real thing. Adam Feldman of Time Out New York gave the show four out of five stars and said, quote, the delightful new musical K-pop knows what kind of immersive theater it wants to be. The script says it aims to plunge us into the world of contemporary Korean music like a bubble bath. And that's exactly what it does. It all pours out in the opening number when the audience gathers for a supposed music factory tour and a dozen smiley young performers, stars of the fictional label JTM Entertainment appear around us dressed in flashy costumes as they deliver a pitch to cross over into the elusive U.S. market. Finally, Sarah Holdren of Vulture said, quote, by the time the finale of K-pop comes around, if you're not bopping along to the splashy, buoyant pop tunes of Helen Park and Max Vernon, well, maybe you don't like puppies and rainbows either. K-pop's exuberant young ensemble, 12 fierce triple threats, make this show difficult to resist. James, according to Ars Nova's website, the show must end. On October 21st, Ashley Park will be leaving for Mean Girls before that. Um, but if this show is as good as the critics seem to think, and I believe it's already completely sold out, it seems to me that this would be the type of show uh, that wouldn't surprise me if it gets either extended at that venue or they find a more, uh, maybe not permanent, but but another venue that they can have a longer run because this seems like just a lot of fun and the more people hear about it, people are going to want to go see it. Yeah, this has uh, been all the buzz for the last uh, two weeks or so. Everybody is uh, trying to get into K-pop, and uh, I, you know, I don't know what the restraints are on are are on it that it has to end October twenty first, uh, whether it's space or cast or whatever. But seemingly, if there's such a demand for it, I, I'd imagine we'll see it pop up somewhere else. Absolutely. 
You missed my pop-up somewhere else. Dad joke? Pop-up? Are you uh, a K-pop? Or is that a reference to my episode of Tell Me More with uh, Austin Titchener of the Reduced Shakespeare Company and their book Pop-Up Shakespeare? <laughs> Both, maybe? Both. Yes. Okay. It's a double Fair whammy. Enough. All right. All right. Next big up. Big money, big money, no whammies, and, and stop. Stop. MCC extends charm off-Broadway. Yes, James, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this is one of the uh, theater pieces that you guys reviewed on This Week on Broadway. Well, last week, MCC Theater announced the extension of the acclaimed transgender-themed play Charm, which was inspired by the real-life story of Miss Gloria Allen. Previously scheduled for a limited run through October 8th, the New York City premiere of the show will now play through October 15th at the Lucille Lortel Theater. Written by Philip Dawkins and directed by Will Davis, Charm focuses on Mama Darlena Andrews, a 60 Seven-year-old black transgender woman who takes it upon herself to teach an etiquette class at Chicago's LGBT LGBTQ community center. Now, James, what was the consensus uh, on the show on Sunday? Uh, Jenna and Michael saw it and both really liked it, and Peter is seeing it on Sunday evening. So uh, we're going to get his review next week. Awesome. So it seems like the extension was warranted then. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure of it. Both Michael and Jenna had very strong, positive things to say about it. Very cool. All right. Next up, TV and movie news. Yeah, James, last week Fox announced that two-time, two-time Tony winner Matthew Broderick would play the grown-up Ralphie Parker in A Christmas Story Live, which will be broadcast on Sunday, December 17th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. Obviously, this is a live version of the Broadway musical that featured a score by Paskin Paul. The part of Ralphie, the adult Ralphie Parker, is the show's narrator, and Broderick joins the previously announced Maya Rudolph, who will play Ralphie's mom. Additional casting information will be announced soon, but with less than three months until the show, I would imagine that we will be getting the rest of the cast fairly soon. Now, speaking of sooner rather than later, on Friday, Variety reported that Warner Brothers had moved up the release date for the latest big screen remake of A Star is Born, starring Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Instead of the original September 28th, to the, uh, September 28th 2018 release date, the film will now hit theaters on May 18th of next year. The film is also Cooper's directorial debut and will co-star Andrew Dice Clay and Sam Elliott. And finally, in this section, James, yesterday, Deadline.com reported that Broadway super producer Jeffrey Seller is teaming up with the producers of NBC's The Good Place, Josh Siegel, Dylan Morgan, and Mike Schur, who is also a great follow on Twitter, at Ken Tremendous, um, for a new half-hour musical comedy for the Peacock Network. The show will be set in New York City, but other than that, there's not much information. A pilot has been ordered, and NBC will have to pay a significant penalty if the series does not move forward, so... Chances are pretty good that if the if the pilot doesn't suck, it will be on the air sometime next season. James, I I don't know much about this uh, show. There's not a whole lot of information out there, but all I care about is that it lives in the same cinematic universe as Smash. They're both on NBC, and I need to know how Ivy Lynn and Anna Vargas are doing. That's all I care about. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I'm very surprised about Stars Born moving up uh, from the September time slot to May because that May time slot makes it look like it's, you know, a, a big summer movie. And I don't get the Stars Born thing to be a big summer movie. 
Well, I think the thing is, James, the reason they in my mind, the reason they moved it up is that because the box offices for this past summer were horrendous. Yeah. Um, you had a couple things that showed really well. Um, but I think they're saying that, OK, if this past box office summer was not very good, maybe a sh- something like this, which is a little outside the box of what you normally consider summer fair, but has a big movie star like Bradley Cooper and has a big pop star like Lady Gaga and is likely not to have a lot of direct competition during the summer. Maybe they're thinking that it could kind of break through rather than in the fall when honestly, most people are more interested in TV than in the fall or than, than movies anyway. So to me, it seems like they looked at the landscape from 2017 and said, well, no one came to the movies last year. So let's try to see if this one can get some traction and draw people in that weren't going otherwise. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying. I also thought that September was an odd place for it. I thought it'd be a good Christmas movie. Yeah. Me too. Um, but we'll see. You know, these Warner Brother people, I've never said I'm smarter than them. You no. Know? <laughs> they, they know how to make money. That's yeah. for sure. Like them and Disney, you know, with all the people that are complaining about things in Frozen, it, Disney is not in the money losing business. They they know what they're doing. And you might disagree with the, some of the decisions of either Warner Brothers or Disney artistically or even strategically. But there's a reason they are like multi-billion dollar companies is because they're very good at making money. And uh, the next story that you talked about, about The Good Place, I mean, is this the the formula for new television shows is The Good Blank, you know? (laughs) Does it seem like there's a a good doctor coming on? There is a good doctor coming on with uh, Freddie Highmore. Yeah. That'll be on ABC. Uh, also, Richard Schiff. Richard Schiff. Uh, co-stars in it, yes. Um, you also had The Good Wife, and now the spinoff of that is The Good Fight. I will tell you, though, The Good Place, in my mind right now, is the best comedy on television. The season two premiere was unbelievably good. If you have not watched the first season of The Good Place, it is all on Netflix. Catch up to it and don't let anyone spoil it for you because you don't want to get into season two before you know everything that happened in season one. It is so good. I could not hi- could not recommend it any more highly. All right. All right. Uh, next up, we have uh, news that Broadway music director Barry Levitt passed away. Yeah, James, last week, Broadway music director Barry Levitt passed away. He was a regular working as an arranger, composer, pianist, producer, educator, and songwriter in high-profile Broadway, off-Broadway cabaret, and big band settings. He was also the artistic director for the Lyrics and Lyricist series at the 92nd Street Y for many, many years. He apparently collapsed at the Lori Beachman Theater during a sound check for cabaret singer Don Duro's new show and was uh, pronounced dead at the hospital the next day. Barry is survived by his wife, Brenda, and his daughter, Dory, and his grandson. James, I, I know Levitt might not be the most well-known name to many Broadway fans, uh, but this seems to have hit a lot of people inside the community pretty hard. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of uh, tributes to Barry um, uh, throughout Facebook and Twitter, and... Uh, And he's just one of those people that, as you mentioned, might not be a household name, but certainly everybody in the business knew who he was, and he was an integral part of many people's success and will be missed. All right, so let's get into uh, this week's Broadway schedule in a new segment with Natalie. 
Hi, I'm Natalie Nowak, host of Broadway Radio's On My Way to a BFA, and starting today, I will be discussing the theatrical calendar for the week ahead every Monday on Today on Broadway. First up, the original off-Broadway production of A Clockwork Orange opens tonight at New World Stages. This production has been in previews since September 2nd, and after its sold-out, critically acclaimed London run, director Alexandra Spencer-Jones's electrifying stage production will be running for a limited off-Broadway engagement through January 6th, 2018. Also opening tonight is the one-night-only off-Broadway production of Parallel Worlds at Ars Nova. This production stars Matt DeAngelis and Carrie Manilakis. It is a rock show unlike anything you've ever seen, blending film, music, and live performance into a brand new rock music experience. On Tuesday, Torch Song will begin previews at Second Stage Theater. Written by Harvey Firestein and originally titled Torch Song Trilogy, this Tony Award-winning play is set to officially open on October 19th. It takes place in New York City in 1979, and Arnold Beckoff, portrayed by Michael Urie, is on a quest for love, purpose, and family. He's fierce in drag and fearless in a crisis, and he won't stop until he achieves the life he desires as a doting husband and a Jewish mother. Now Arnold is back, and he's here to sing you a torch song. The Tony Award-winning play that forever changed the trajectory of Broadway returns for a new generation. Next up, Paper Mill Playhouse's The Honeymooners premieres on Thursday. Inspired by the classic television series, The Honeymooners is a brand new musical comedy starring Tony Award winner Michael McGraw as Ralph Cramden, Michael Mastro as Ed Norton, Leslie Kritzer as Alice Cramden, and Tony Award nominee Laura Bell Bundy as Trixie Norton. Also on Thursday, Roundabout Theatre Company's The Last Match begins previews and is scheduled to open on October 24th. Here's the premise. You've given it all to reach the top of your game. Now where do you go from here? Well, that is the question at the heart of Anna Ziegler's new play, The Last Match. Set against high-stakes backdrop of professional sports, this New York premiere serves up a richly theatrical look at what keeps us striving and why. Additionally, the show-off opens this Thursday at the Peccadillo Theater. Notable for its fantastic blending of comedy and drama, and meticulous attention to the ordinary details of everyday life, the show-off revolves around a working-class Irish family in North Philadelphia in the mid-1920s. Thursday is also an exciting day in London's West End since it marks the start of previews for the Young Frankenstein revival. This production will officially open on October 10th. On Saturday, September 30th, the School of Rock First National Tour launches in Rochester, New York at the Rochester Auditorium Theater. The tour will be stopping in over 30 cities over the course of the next year and a half, so you will have plenty of opportunities to see this production. Featuring 14 new songs from Andrew Lloyd Webber and all the original songs from the movie, this high-octane smash delivers face-melting guitar riffs and touching romance in equally awesome doses. On Sunday, York Theatre Company's Desperate Measures opens. Inspired by Shakespeare's Measure for Measure, this country musical comedy features a book and lyrics by Peter Kellogg and music by David Friedman. This production runs through October 15th. Now let's discuss what's closing this week. Up first, we have Signature Theatre's The Red Letter Plays, Effing A, which will close on Sunday, October 1st. Also closing on Sunday is Playwrights Horizons' production of For Peter Pan on Her 70th Birthday. Yet another closing on Sunday is the Broadway-bound production of Frozen, which is currently in Denver at the Denver Center for the Performing Arts for its pre-Broadway tryout. I'm looking forward to seeing what aspects of the show they change based on reviews and audience reception before it graces Broadway's St. James Theater in February of 2018. 
And there you have it. That was this week's jam-packed theatrical calendar. Like I said in the beginning of the segment, I am the host of another podcast on Broadway radio called On My Way to a BFA, which chronicles my experiences as a musical theater major at the Hart School. On this month's episode, I talked with Wicked and Finding Neverland's Christine Dwyer, who also graduated from the Hart School, about college vocal health and all things Alphaba. I'd love for you to follow my journey, so feel free to listen to my podcast and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Natalie underscore Nowak. To listen to my podcast, go to broadwayradio.com and search On My Way to a BFA. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at BWWMatt. And subscribe to something like a pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for kicking off your week with us, and Matt and I will be back and talk with you tomorrow. Tomorrow.